The reading is from Nehemiah 8, 1 to 12. When the seventh month came and the people of Israel were settled in their towns, all the people gathered together in the area in front of the water gate. They asked Ezra the scribe to bring out the instruction scroll from Moses, according to which the Lord had instructed Israel. So on the first day of the seventh month, Ezra the priest brought the instruction before the assembly. This assembly was made up of both men and women and anyone who could understand what they heard. Facing the area in front of the water gate, he read it aloud from early morning until the middle of the day. He read it in the presence of the men and the women and those who could understand, and everyone listened attentively to the instruction scroll. Ezra the scribe stood on a wooden platform that had been made for this purpose, and standing beside him were Mattatiah, Shema, Aniah, Uriah, Hilkiah, and Messiah on his right-hand side, while Pediah, Mishael, Malkijah, Hashem, Hashbedanah, Zechariah, and Meshalem stood on his left-hand side. Standing above all of the people, Ezra the scribe opened the scroll in the sight of all the people, and as he opened it, all of the people stood up. Then Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, Amen, Amen while raising their hands. Then they bowed down and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. The Levites, Jeshua, Bani, Sherebiah, Jamin, Akab, Shebathai, Hodiah, Messiah, Kalita, Azariah, Josabad, Hanan, and Peliah helped the people to understand the instruction while the people remained in their places. They read aloud from the scroll, the instruction from God, explaining and interpreting it so the people could understand what they heard. Then Nehemiah the governor, Ezra the priest and scribe, and the Levites who taught the people, said to all of the people, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Don't mourn or weep. They said this because all the people wept when they heard the words of the instruction. Go, eat rich food, and drink something sweet, he said to them, and send portions of this to any who have nothing ready. This day is holy to our Lord. Don't be sad, because the joy from the Lord is your strength. The Levites also calmed all of the people, saying, Be quiet, for this day is holy. Don't be sad. Then all of the people went to eat and to drink, to send portions, and to have a great celebration, because they understood what had been said to them. Hi. I'm Hannah. I'm the teaching pastor at Urban Village Church. Have loved Zhao for a long time, and I'm so happy to be with here, be here with you today. And if you talk about me, you can use the pronouns she and her. If you are so moved, would you please pray with me? God of grace, mercy, justice, and power. God who loves us all where we are and what we are doing and how we feel connected and disconnected to you and to one another. Meet us here in this moment, in our bodies, in our souls. Help, O oh God, the movements of our bodies, the communication of our mouths and hearts to be yours and of you. And if it should not be, help us to notice to turn around, to be good to one another. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm going to ask you to um, think for a minute 
about something that you love, whatever it may be, that you got to do for the first time after having been in pandemic quarantine or isolation for a while. It might be worshiping with others. It might be going to a neighborhood place. It might be getting together in a small group of vaccinated friends. Anything that you got to do for the first time after a long time. And I want you to sit with how it felt, how it feels in your body. What do you remember about what you felt that day? Was it joy, relief, Awkward scaredness that things would be different. Sadness that it had been so long. Just a buzzing excitedness about things being different. Remember how you felt. And then consider how you might have felt if instead of months or year or even two years between when you first did that thing you love and the most recent time you did that thing you love, It had been 70 years. That's where we meet the people of Israel in this scripture we just read in the book of Nehemiah. We meet them having not been able to be together, to worship at the temple, their holy place, to be in Jerusalem for 70 years of exile. They are people living under oppression, under an empire and a system that cannot and will not see them as fully human and that attempts to destroy them at every turn. And the most recent way that that happened under the Babylonian version of that empire was that um, the Jewish people had been exiled from where many of them were in Jerusalem and Israel out to other countries, nations and places around um, and had been separated from one another. Seven years is long enough for generations to be born, right? For new children to come who have never known the life that their parents knew. And where we are, a new empire has come to town, a Persian empire, not one that is just or merciful, but that it is less committed to the destruction of the Jewish people. And so allows them at the prodding of a cupbearer named Nehemiah to the emperor at his prodding to return to where they had come from and to rebuild what they had lost. The temple had been destroyed. And so for weeks, people have been taking what little they have, what they can gather and rebuilding that place for worship and for community. And in the story we just read, is sort of their inauguration of that new place, their blessing of the place they have made and remade into a place where they can really live out community. And I have been reading and rereading this passage because I think it holds so much for us about how to be community as we enter a new time after a communal trauma. One that is not over by any means, but that is entering a new place in our existence. We're not the first people to do it. (laughs) We're not the first people to have this experience. And so I look to the people who came before and I say, what can we learn? What can we do that they did? 
And, and I think I see four things that this community did as they returned after pain, after separation, um, that can be lessons to us now about what we might do in our communities um, as we experience coming back together after pain and separation. And the first one um, is that they return to the stories of their ancestors, which also known as the Bible. <laughs> um, Ezra, right, the priest, and there's all these names in the verses. We, we made you read lots of names, even though they're hard, um, because that's what a community is, right? It's specific people who love each other and have been there for each other and who get to know each other. They gather in this one place and they begin to read the Bible aloud. And in this time, they read the Bible out loud for hours, for days, for a whole day. They just listened to the scriptures. We're not going to make you do that today. <laughs> Although, but think about it. Um, and and part of that, right, is being remembered as a community, remade into one body by doing some of the things they did before, returning to habits, to spiritual habits and practices that had once formed their community, to remembering what it's like to do that together. But I think also part of it is returning to the stories of our ancestors is often helpful when we're trying to reset or reevaluate um, or remember in our life. We remember that they've been through it too. We remember what they've withstood and we remember what they've fought against. We remember how God was with them through it all. Um, and, and it can be a reminder to deepen um, our own sense that we too can be ancestors to another generation, to the coming people. And we can make a world that is better than the one we live in for those who are going to come after us. We receive strength so that we might also offer it. So that's one thing we can do. We can steep ourselves um, in the stories of our faith, in the stories of our ancestors, and in the practices that we once did so that we might remember what it feels like to do them together. The second thing they do is that they are radically inclusive. They make sure that everyone is there. Everyone. Um, the word you may have noticed because of the patriarchy that the, the Hebrew word for men is often used to mean like people, everyone, right? Um, it just refers to the universal. But in this passage, they're really specifically using the Hebrew word for men and women and everyone. They're they're pointing out that the children are here, the women are here, right? Um, they didn't have language for people who didn't fall into those categories, but we would add that non-binary and gender non-conforming people are there, that it is a place not just for one segment of the community, not just for the segment that has the most power or um, is there the most often, but this is a place for everyone to come back together and build the new thing. And this might suggest to us that as we reform community and reevaluate what community even is for us, as we come back to our sense of what we want our neighborhoods to be, our cities, our faith communities, our lives, that radically inclusive has to be one of the things that they are. That as we are reforming, we have to look around and say, who's not here? <laughs> or who has not received the invitation? Or who have I not made myself vulnerable to in larger community? Um, and what will I miss out on if they aren't a part of what we do together? 
What are the practices we might adopt that will make this a place where all of the kinds of people can come and worship and celebrate and eat together? The third thing they do um, is that they cry. They mourn. They grieve. They weep. If you've ever heard this passage before, I'll admit this is like not the sort of most quoted part of the Bible. <laughs> you've probably heard it less than John 3.16. But if someone has quoted Nehemiah 8 to you before, um, it might have been incorrectly them trying to make you stop mourning something by quoting the, the end of the passage, right? Which says, um, this is not a time for mourning and weeping. This is a time for celebration and joy. But I would point out that in order to say that at the end of this day of pouring out, this day of being together, this day of reading the scriptures, it means that people must have been crying and mourning and weeping for hours. To tell someone to stop doing something that that time has ended, it has to be something that's happening. And so the community in their first day together has not only worshipped, has not only included, but has grieved. They're standing next to each other and crying for all that they lost. Because what they have now doesn't erase what has happened. Um, I know that this is true for me, that I continue to need to grieve every day for the people who I've lost in the last year. Um, for you, it might be the people who have died or the people from whom you have been disconnected. It might be the loss of your own um, health or mental health. It might be the loss of a job or a plan or a way that you thought things would be. The loss of a certain worldview. We're grieving. We're hurting. Um, and, and the only way I have ever found to ease that pain is not to get over it or to get through it, but to share it. Right? We cry in front of one another so that we might know together that we can bear it as a group, even if it feels like we can't bear it as a person. So we cry, we mourn. And then there's the fourth thing that they do, which is throw a big, awesome, celebratory party. Because no matter how much pain we experience, no matter how hard things are, there is life and there is resilience and there is resistance to the forces that seek to tear us down and tear us apart and destroy us in saying, I am joyful and there is something to celebrate. There is something amazing about me in this community. There's something to be thankful for and the creation that God has made. And I will have a slice of cake about it. <laughs> I will throw a party about it. There are things to be joyful about. And community is one of them and faith is one of them and getting to do um, being together, whether it's online or in person is one of them. And so they party and they celebrate and they don't just party and celebrate with who's there. It says that they eat rich food and drink sweet drink and bring portions to everybody who wasn't there, who maybe is too angry or sad to show up yet who maybe can't make it because they're taking care of kids or have a job or can't come out yet because it's not safe for them. Um, they take the party to the people, right? They, they create an atmosphere of celebration for everyone they encounter. And we can too. We can party 
We can celebrate. We can be joyful about all that there is to be joyful about. And it doesn't make anything else not true. It makes us the people that God has always made us to be, which is multiple and everything happening at once. We can party. God asks us to. So those are the four questions I want you to ask yourself for a minute right now as we take a moment to meditate. Is these four things that the people did, how are you doing them? Where are they showing up in your life? And I'll put them up again. One, reading the scriptures and remembering the stories of the ancestors. How are you steeping yourself in the stories and the practices of those who came before you? How are you letting your ancestors support you? How are you letting their stories of how they have been with God shape who you are now? Second, they made sure everybody could come. What are the ways in which you are making your communities more inclusive and the ways that you are going out to people who don't want to be a part of whatever you're already a part of in order to learn from and experience joy with all of the kinds of extraordinary people of every flavor and kind that God has made with love and creativity? What are the ways you can make your communities places where everyone can show up? Third, what are you mourning? What's making you cry? How are you weeping about it with others? What are the ways that you grieve each day, every day, honestly and openly, because we all need to? And finally, how are you partying? Where is there a spirit of celebration in your life? When is the last time you made a rich food or sweet drink and shared it with someone else? And shouted to the Lord, shouted to the air, there is something amazing and I want to celebrate it. Do that right at home, right now. Shout into the air something that makes you want to celebrate, something that makes you want to party, something that's amazing. Or share it in the comments. We are all experiencing everything all the time. And this time is going to be weird. This fall is weird. Next year will be strange. We have been exposed and made new. And many of us are reevaluating everything about our values and commitments and lives and how we move forward. But the good news is that we aren't the first people to do so. That God is with us on the journey. And that we have one another to do all of that with. We can build something new and incredible and extraordinary. And these are four of the ways that we can do it. Thanks be to God. And thanks be to God for all of you. Amen.